here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome back into the show, everybody. Pat and Rudy here with you again at the Nine Route. I'm going to give you some week three waiver wires and some start sits, sort of the same format we gave you last week. And hopefully what we gave you helped. Uh, we we did a, a pretty good job on the start sits. And, and I think the, uh, the waiver wire sort of went the way we thought it was going to go last week as far as uh, sort of everybody targeting Elijah Mitchell and Sterling Shepard if, if they were still available in your league. That seemed to be the the big buzz in the fantasy football community last week. Yeah, uh, yeah, Elijah Mitchell was you know going to win your league based on picking him up, and and I know for some people he is uh, an important player, especially if you lost Mostert uh, and you realize Kyle Shanahan has that kind of offense that revolves around running backs. You know, uh, a couple of those calls sometimes they seem like no brainers, but again, like we were saying last week, was don't hesitate. Cause you're going to, you're going to hate yourself later. Uh, again, if the player doesn't turn out, you can always dump them. Something changes, timeshares happen, another injury. Uh, that's what the waiver wire itself is for, but yeah, don't hesitate. Pick up those guys you want. All right. So who are the guys uh, who they should be picking up this week? Uh, I think right off the bat, you know, talking about a couple of different players that you and I have both mentioned, I guess we could go right into uh, one Daniel Jones. I believe he is a name that some people might, not have uh, on their radar, so to speak. If you're a quarterback streamer, which a lot of people are, uh, you may realize that as of right now, we still have Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff to play on Monday night, but Daniel Jones is QB4. Yes, that's right. Daniel Jones is QB4. Does make things happen with his legs. Uh, he's already got 122 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, he's one of the top running quarterbacks right now uh, in the league. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, but he's right up there with the big boys. Passing wise, again, he's Daniel Jones, and I mean that offense is in a bit of a flux. We we did notice there were some issues there uh, on the Thursday night game with an egregious drop for a touchdown that would have won the game for them. You know, again, that's not his fault. That would have added to his stats and pumped them up into borderline QB three levels. Being able to be a dual threat quarterback is huge for, for a player like that. You don't maybe associate it. People think he's just some odd guy out there. And again, he he is an athlete. He it's the Giants. Yeah, they're they're a bad team. They they do stink. And, and their fans will be the first ones to tell you. But looking at him putting up 21 and then 29, almost 30 points against Washington. That's a division game. That's a tough matchup. Again, it's not about him winning. It's not about him losing. It's about him getting you points on the board. He is home against Atlanta this week. Uh, Atlanta Falcons uh, are the worst team in fantasy football on defense against the quarterback right now. Passers are, are having a field day. We saw Tom Brady shred them just this week, as a matter of fact. And again, Jalen Hurts had a nice game uh, on the ground and in the air against him in week one. This seems like an ideal matchup. Giants will probably maybe even get their first win out of it. Atlanta's struggling. Uh, they put up points. That's great. But their defense... They can't stop anybody. Daniel Jones looks like a solid pickup off the waiver wire this week. If if not, maybe uh, for more than one week as a fill-in or, or a bench guy for when the bye weeks come. But again, he's QB4. Uh, so again, those stats don't lie if, if you're looking for fantasy production. Yeah, QB4 on the week. And, and he's actually QB8 overall 
for the whole entire season. So, you know, all these guys that we drafted, you know, those first, those top 10, 12 guys or, or what have you, Daniel Jones, according to the numbers, only 2% owned in NFL.com league. So, you know, nobody was obviously looking at Daniel Jones. I think the funny thing with Daniel Jones is uh, a few years ago, he was sort of on the radar as the next big breakout quarterback and, uh, you know, with his rushing ability and, you know, the weapons that the Giants had, which didn't include Kenny Galladay at the time. So obviously there's a an assumed upgrade with Galladay. But even back last year, the year before, it was, you know, when Daniel Jones took over the starting job, everybody thought he was going to, uh, you know, just ascend to this, this fantasy superstar. Maybe this is the year that that actually happens. Um, like you said, the Giants aren't, aren't a great team, uh, but a lot a lot of fantasy points have been scored in their games. And, and again, even against a, a really stout defense like Washington football team, mm. Daniel Jones still used his legs and, uh, and put up those fantasy points. Didn't trip over the 20 yard line. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just got a touchdown called back because of a holding penalty instead. Yeah. Yeah. A little snake bit again, but you figure God for, yeah, if he gets that touchdown and Slayton makes that catch uh, again, he's, he's putting up some serious points this week. So, uh, Definitely one call there. Uh, who do you got next, Pat? Obviously, you know, if we're looking at, at overall quarterback rankings for the season, you don't have to go far down the list to see Derek Carr's name on there. He's a guy who's who's currently only owned in about 32% of NFL.com leagues. And Carr has just been, he's just been outstanding against two pretty good defenses. Hmm. Uh, I think the, the big thing with Derek Carr is the Raiders are 22nd in rush attempts on the season. And uh, I mean, obviously, there's still Green Bay and, and Detroit left to play, but he's actually number one in pass attempts. He has 93 pass attempts on the year in two games. And it looks like it's just one of those things where I, I think John Gruden has just decided I'm the, the quarterback whisperer and I'm going <laughs> to teach teach this young man how to play the position and then just put him out there and, and let him go to town. And uh, I mean, both the games that Carr played, he looked phenomenal he's making good decisions you know he's the a lot of these raiders wide receivers and and tight ends and i mean they're just wide open and maybe that's a a product of play calling but Carr looks fantastic and is averaging over 400 yards passing for his first two games and and i think that that could potentially continue as the season wears on this could be the awakening. I know for, for a couple of years now, everybody's been waiting to see Gruden and his quarterback. And, and again, we've seen Derek Carr have some highs and lows, and you're always waiting for him to get over the hump. And they finally put a few weapons around him. And yeah, the emphasis isn't going to be on the running game. We saw Josh Jacobs hurt this week. And again, you have a, a player in Darren Waller who, albeit a tight end, he's uh, basically almost like a wide receiver one in a sense where, yeah, he's targeted him almost, I believe, 20 times in the first game. So you see a player like that out there, uh, Henry Ruggs' speed, like you just said, uh, he has some players that can really stretch the field. Brian Edwards was being compared to T.O. in training camp, and we saw him make damn near one of the greatest diving touchdowns in the in the Monday Night Football game last week against the, the Ravens. So you do see some of these players that, that are making it for him. And yeah, 93 pass attempts uh, in two weeks, over 800 yards. I mean, he's almost got a thousand. He's closing on a thousand yards, which, you know, barring something crazy. Uh, he should easily get over at the rate he's going by week three. So he's on a mission. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. And Derek Carr has always been one of those sneaky plays where, again, it's not about how good or bad the team is. It's about the numbers and the stats and the, the plays that these guys make and the numbers they put up overall. 
you know, he's to that point in his career where he knows this isn't going to go <laughs> much further. He's already 30, but this is the, this is a guy just like a, a again, a Daniel Jones. He's not going to beat you with his legs as much, but he's always been a good passer. It's just taken too long to get weapons around him. But yeah, to see these numbers right now through, through two weeks, the volumes there, just like you look for targets, touches, carries with your running back wide receiver tight end positions. Yeah. If you've uh, attempted almost a hundred passes in two weeks, uh, I think that guy's going to get a lot of volume. So the numbers are going to be there. The next guy that sort of, he's, he's already rostered in, in quite a few leagues. He's, he's actually available in uh, about 54% of leagues. So he, you, this, this guy, you may not be able to get your hands on, but the last quarterback we're going to talk about is Justin Fields. We saw Andy Dalton go down this week, uh, look like a knee injury. They weren't really sure if Dalton can't start this week, it's going to be Justin Fields' opportunity to start. And I think once Fields gets his first start, it's going to be too late to pick him up off the waiver wire. So he's one of those guys who it's getting to the point in time where we all kind of felt like Fields was going to take over eventually. And now that there's uh, an injury to Andy Dalton, I feel like now's the time that he's going to get to show what he can do. And it's, you know, like they say, it's that's all she wrote once once that happens, I believe. Yeah, uh, you know, you you hate to see the ascension from some of these guys, not not to say maybe based on merit, but yeah, to see all the hype for Justin Fields and everybody wanted, you know, Andy Dalton (laughs) cast off and thrown away. And, and, you know, they had made a commitment to bring him in as a starter before the draft and everything else. Andy Dalton, we've all known as a a functional NFL quarterback. He rotted away in Cincinnati. Uh, He did some yeoman's work and got banged up in Dallas last year, but uh, he's always been usable, stuff like that. Uh, again, to see an injury to somebody who's a little long in the tooth uh, and, you know, that that could be something that could be a, a nail in the coffin for their career. Uh, that being said, yeah, Justin Fields, I think a lot of people had him on the radar because of his dual threat ability, uh, very accomplished passer in college, and everybody was high on him coming out. Some people felt he was the best quarterback coming out in the draft. You know, everybody has their prognostications and their opinions and their stats. You know, he came out, struggled a little bit, obviously getting game time action in a real game. But we did see some things in the preseason that you were drooling over because, again, if you can get that kind of production out of a quarterback, it's just like a running back who can catch the ball and run with the ball and get touchdowns. Yeah, if your quarterback can use his legs. We just talked about Daniel Jones. And and again, there's a couple out there, obviously, like a Lamar Jackson. But if he's able to pass the ball as well, he's got an Allen Robinson out there uh, who's a monster wide receiver one. Um, you got a little bit of action in the backfield that can catch the ball, Damian Williams and those guys. And, and you know, you, you're looking at a, a player who right now, I think he may not even be your starter, but if you have that roster spot, pick him up before somebody else does. We're going to switch over to running backs now. Interesting plays uh, throughout the week, obviously. And so far, week two of the season, uh, one guy that is not heavily rostered, but again, is part of a well, it looks to be a little bit of a timeshare. Heavily uh, used, but not heavily rostered, which is yes, what we're looking yes. for. <laughs> Definitely. He, uh, he's actually looking at it. He's fifth in rushing attempts right now with 40. Uh, Mark Ingram from Houston. Uh, they brought in a slew of guys to fill in uh, next to David Johnson. And right now, Mark Ingram seems to be the strongest play out of them all. Uh, again, they're all getting involved in the offense, but as those of us that know him from his time in Baltimore and previously in New Orleans, he's always been fairly consistent. Yeah, he's 32. You know, he's not uh, he's not your father's Mark Ingram by any stretch, but 
at the same time, he's a guy who's out there and available. And now's the time in these first couple of weeks where you really want to pick up and stockpile running backs on your roster. Uh, again, injuries are going to happen. Bye weeks are going to happen. And the opponents in your league are going to be looking for any available option. Come week six or seven, and we, we touched on this in previous shows, once these guys are gone, uh, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. They're, you're really going to be like scrambling to find anybody. But a player like Mark Ingram, who you know can get you that goal line touchdown and, and looks like he's being involved as much as he is, uh, he's definitely a player to pick up and, and get on your roster. Yeah, absolutely. Along with being the fifth in attempts in rush attempts this year, he's actually third in red zone attempts in the entire league. So I kind of had a a feeling or or I guess what I thought was going to happen in Houston this year, as far as the running back room went, just based off of what you were hearing out of camp and things like that. And to me, I I thought it was going to be the Philip Lindsay show as far as you know, the in between the twenties guy, and then maybe Mark Ingram would get in there for the, for the goal line work because of his build and his size. And then David Johnson would sort of be your, you know, third down receiving type back, but it looks like Lindsay is just barely being used. Johnson is actually getting more touches than Lindsay in this, in this offense. Uh, But Ingram does definitely seem to be the one he plays the most snaps. He gets the most rush attempts. Um, Johnson still, David Johnson still does, you know, get out there for those third downs and, and the, you know, the long distance passing work. But uh, yeah, if Ingram's available in your league, he, he needs to be rostered because like, like Scott said, if when bye weeks hit and you're looking for somebody that you can just throw into your flex or uh, your RB2 spot, he's a guy that uh, is going to get you some guaranteed touches and touches are, are really all you can ask for. You, you know, production will come with more opportunities. All right, next on the list, we're going to talk about Latavius Murray from the Baltimore Ravens. Again, this is one of those shared committee backfields, sort of like Houston. But uh, Latavius Murray, since he's gotten there, has been sort of splitting work almost 50-50 with Tyson Williams, the rookie. I think that, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of Devontae Freeman in the game last night. There's, There's a possibility that, you know, maybe his usage increases a little bit, but from what I was watching in that game uh, against the Chiefs, it seems like Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray are sort of more in a, of a 50-50 split almost. And I think that, not that I would wish for or ever try to predict injury, but uh, the way the Ravens running back room has been going, I don't feel like anybody is safe. So uh, <laughs> no. grabbing, grabbing Murray now in case something happens to, to Williams is uh, – you know, just a, it's just a smart play. And again, just like Mark Ingram, if he's going to get carries, uh, maybe not as many as Ingram has been getting, but if, if Murray is going to be touching the ball, he's a valuable piece that you definitely want to add to your roster. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, obviously he's been a player last couple of years with Minnesota and with uh, New Orleans that, you know, he was a guy that, you maybe didn't draft or, or, or if you picked him up near the end because you know he was a, a handcuff to somebody, but he's always had consistent production. You know, he's 31, but he's a younger 31. He hasn't had the load that some of these other running backs have had. I mean, even his years out with the Raiders, like he was never overused. Obviously, being a veteran, he gets, I guess you could say, the responsibility of, yeah, goal line, uh, red zone uh, plays where right now he's already got two touchdowns on the ground. He's definitely being involved and like Pat you're saying with the the timeshare the only difference between the two of them is that Tyson 
and Williams. He's actually getting a little bit of the pass catching work out of the backfield. And, and Murray will get involved in that down the road. They usually have been doing that in Baltimore where they do rotate a hot hand. I don't think they were leaning on Williams or expecting him to step up as well after all the injuries. And they did want to stockpile talent. We've already seen even yesterday, uh, Devonta Freeman pitched in with uh, two rushes for 30 yards to 29 yards. So they're they're definitely looking to make plays with their running backs. And we've seen it already that uh, where Tyson Williams may be the slight lead, so to speak. Right now, you're looking at the carries between the two of them, and they're only separated by three. Uh, Williams gets a little bit more in the pass catching area. But again, anybody can go down at any given time. And those touchdowns, if that's the case, if he's vulturing them, that's an easy six for you, maybe more or less dependent on your league. Uh, and again, those yards will start to pile up a little bit too. So again, yeah, Latavius Murray should definitely be on your bench. Uh, and obviously, a, a, a no-brainer handcuff if you have Williams, because with the Baltimore Ravens, it could be any day now with the running game. Yeah, and I think that one of the good things about Baltimore Ravens running backs is the fact that the defense always has to account for Lamar Jackson sort of keeping the ball and taking off on his own. So <laughs> yeah, those the, the those... true the true RB one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, yeah, and he I mean he is. That's the, you're that's not a joke. He he yeah. he leads the team in rushing. So uh but it, it, the fact that defenses do have to spy him or account for him or at least pay attention to him it, it makes the the box a little bit softer to run against even in the red zone so I, I think you could see a lot of touchdowns out of that baltimore ravens backfield and um latavius murray could definitely get his share that being said uh another guy who looks to be a little vulturous so to speak or, or maybe getting more involved based off of scheme or injury uh we're going to talk about jd mckissick from the washington football team I, again, had a little bit of a vested interest in one of my leagues. Uh, unfortunately, I got auto-drafted Antonio Gibson, and I know that he had some a uh, little bit of an injury, questionable uh, upper body concept going through the week, but he was ready for Thursday night. But he didn't seem like it. Sure looked like J.D. McKissick was. He definitely was more involved when it came to red zone and goal line situations. A lot of times, you'll see a player like that float around because in the preseason, I know the talk was that Gibson was going to be uh, on a Christian McCaffrey level of running and receiving and, and be that guy. And the only person who's really on the Christian McCaffrey level is Christian McCaffrey. Gibson being involved that heavily, whether that does come to fruition or not, is going to be one thing. But to see a player like McKissick, who has always had that dual threat uh, ability for, you know, probably the length of his career, so to speak, you know, and then to see him get involved the way he did the other day. You definitely have to get this guy on your roster right now. Again, if there's any health concerns with Gibson, uh, it's going to just make it that much more of a play. Granted, they played the Giants, and it's a division game, and it was a little high scoring. But to see him put up, in, in our league, he put up 20 points and was heavily involved. And again, for those Gibson owners, just like myself in one of my other leagues, uh, you were just heavily disappointed. Again, it doesn't hurt right now to stockpile your running backs. And to see a player like this get that involved that quickly, gain the confidence of the coaching staff, solid option on the waiver wire, pick him up right now. All right, moving on to wide receivers. You know, we talked a little bit about Derek Carr earlier and all the pass attempts and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Waller with those 19 targets in week one is, you know, locked into your lineup every single week. But uh, a guy that is actually second on the team is Hunter Renfro. And he, he wasn't a guy that anybody was really drafting, uh, you know, during draft season. I don't think that actually many of the, 
Raiders wide receivers were being drafted because nobody <laughs> really period. knew, yeah. Right? Yeah. except for Wallace. Oh yeah, Carr still on the waiver wire. So I mean, his his receiving options probably are too. But yes, Hunter Renfro is only rostered in 1.8 percent of NFL.com leagues. He's been a great PPR option. He's second, like I said, to Waller on the team in targets with 16, and he just seems to be the guy that Derek Carr trusts in you know, those third down situations. If he's not looking for Waller, it seems like he's looking for Renfro. So he's a great PPR type guy. Now, if you play in a non-PPR league or, you know, even a half PPR, he, he doesn't really get a ton of end zone or red zone targets. And, and Ruggs is kind of the, you know, the deep threat. And you do still have Brian Edwards there. So, you know, Renfro is going to have his games where he sort of disappears from the stat sheet, but He's also going to have his games where, you know, he gets you seven catches for 80 yards and and does a serviceable job in your in your flex spot. So if you're struggling at the wide receiver position, uh, he's as good of a, a pickup out there as anyone I can see on the waiver wire. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, I think uh, Hunter Renfro has kind of been not a direct comparison by any stretch to Cooper Cup, but he's kind of been like a poor man's Cooper Cup, uh, just in a different type of offense. If he was on a different team with a different scheme, he might get utilized a little more. And yeah, Waller being uh, the dominant force and Renfro being, he can play outside, but he tends to be more of a slot guy, a possession receiver. If you already have a 1A uh, at that position, uh, again, with Waller, you're, you're probably not going to look for him quite as much, but yeah, I mean, the guy, he catches a lot of balls. I mean, career-wise, just looking at him, he's got like a 70% catch rate, so he's not one to really drop much. Uh, it's just more of bad throws and things of that nature. Uh, so he's sure-handed, and he was a good college player based off of that too. And it's only his third season. So, yeah, I mean, to see him get as involved as he is as a number two, again, you're you're, you're always going to talk about the injury bug where if one of the wide receivers, but God forbid if Waller goes down, you know, and that offense does truly funnel through him, they're going to be looking for everybody that is available to become the next guy. And right now he is, he's top, he's a top 30 in targets already in the league. Uh, and we already talked about the volume that David Carr has passing. So week to week may not always be the same production, but Hunter Renfro, he, he might have a week where he has six or seven catches for 70 yards, maybe get that, you know, touchdown and stuff like that. I mean, he's not going to ball out every week, but he's definitely going to maybe, uh, be a guy to be a solid uh, wide receiver too, or or a flex position for you. Uh, wouldn't hurt to put him on your roster right now. Looking at another wide receiver, uh, we did see somebody ball out yesterday, uh, and I know he was he high. On, oh yeah, <laughs> he definitely has been a, a little bit of an early season, late round sleeper and and early waiver wire, so to speak, darling. Uh, and he definitely came to play. He came to play yesterday going to go to Arizona and we're going to talk about Rondale Moore, who a lot of people may have already had a little bit of an eye on him or maybe even did decide to to get him on the roster as soon as they could uh, looking at that offense after week one. Yeah, he he went off. He had eight targets. He had seven catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. And obviously with Arizona, they've just been putting up points. Uh, that offense looks so dynamic. Uh, and again, that's going to make for for a fun uh, couple division games against the Rams and, and some other teams. Again, to see a player like that and yeah, make those catches, uh, he had a 77-yard reception for a touchdown. Uh, so he's going to get you a big play bonus points, it looks like, when he gets involved. They played Minnesota, so it was a little bit of a shootout. Possibly Minnesota was maybe looking to not get beat by uh, 
DeAndre Hopkins or, or anybody over the top because the tight end for Arizona also did have uh, seven catches, seven targets and nearly 100 yards. But if Kyler Murray is going to take what the defense gives him, play smart. And, and again, he's starting to mature into a solid NFL quarterback. He's going to look for his guys. And, and it looks like right now, Rondale Moore is one of his most trusted uh, to get that much volume uh, yesterday in a game with that many other big names on the team. Yeah, if he's available in your league, I think right now you, you have to hang on to him. And again, he could be, God forbid, he could be an injury away from moving into a true starting role. Uh, and again, it's somebody else to keep away from one of your opponents in your league. You don't want to give them any reason to get stronger. Make them pick up somebody else. Uh, get Rondale Moore on your roster if you have the space and, and you want to make that move. Yeah, I think at this point, you just want any piece of that Cardinals offense that you can get. Believe it or not, Rondell Moore actually leads the team in targets through the first two games. He, he He's actually out-targeting DeAndre Hopkins. And I think, like you said, a lot of teams are going to key on Hopkins and, and sort of want to take him away and make somebody else beat you. But the Cardinals have plenty of other options out there that can beat you. Uh, obviously, Christian Kirk showed that in week one and now Rondell Moore showed it in week two. We even got AJ Green on the board with a touchdown. So uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray is just making He's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kyler Murray is just making everybody in that offense relevant. And uh, you know, it may be a little bit difficult to know. You know, like we said, Christian Kirk had a big week one. Moore had a big week two. It, it may be difficult to know when to start these guys, but if you're taking a flyer on somebody. You might as well take a flyer on somebody from an, a dynamic offense like Arizona's. I'll go a little bit outside the box for our, uh, for our last wide receiver here. And uh, if you were to say, no, obviously the, the list goes a little bit longer, but uh, if, if you were looking at the 18th ranked and the tied for seventh, shall we say, with a little ties, it's so early in the season, most targeted wide receivers in the league. A name that doesn't jump out to anybody, it jumped out to me when I saw some stats and, and saw, heard his name mentioned. And again, this is not a dynamic offense at this time, but uh, they're going to probably be forced to throw the ball a ton if they're a bad football team. When you look at the New York Jets, uh, you see a player and his name is Braxton Berrios. Uh, he has currently 18 targets. That's a lot through two weeks. That's talking nine a game. Uh, he's already had 12 receptions, hasn't made it into the uh, end zone yet, but he's got four first downs, so you can see where he's a possession-type player for that team. Uh, when you think Jets recently, obviously, Jamison Crowder joined them, uh, leaving Washington a few years back, and he's been that guy. He's been a, a heavy volume, heavy reception, a security blanket underneath, just making catches, getting first downs, moving the chains for the quarterback du jour for the Jets. Uh, now you have Zach Wilson in there and you haven't had Crowder. He's had, he was on the COVID list in training camp, uh, whether that was legit or not, but he's been nursing a bit of a groin injury from the sounds of things. And he was pretty much slated to start this week, but for some reason they hold him back. So maybe it was something to warm up. So he didn't quite feel healthy, but you might see him get back in and, you know, it may take him a couple of weeks to get back to his normal rate as far as volume goes. You got a couple other wide receivers on that team with Elijah Moore had a nice little coming out game, uh, getting warmed up into the NFL, and they expect bigger and better things for him. Corey Davis struggled a little bit, but if you're going to be the uh, the de facto or, or true wide receiver one in that offense, uh, depending on the coverage you go against, if you're going against Stephon Gilmore, it's going to be tough to be effective uh, for any wide receiver. But Barrios right now is uh, heavily available, and he's a guy that you say Crowder is going to take his spot right back. 
I'm not too sure about that only because this coaching staff is new. He's not their guy. He's coming back off an injury that might take a, a little bit to get used to, uh, you know, get healthy again. Obviously they held him out this week just to make sure that again, just to make sure maybe he was okay or he was, a, you know, shall we say a surprise inactive Braxton Berrios being available in a high volume passing offense might not be a bad idea to pick up and just keep around on your roster. You never know if you might need somebody on that level to, uh, Again, you, I talk about him earlier with Renfro, a Cooper Cup type of guy who just gets that volume, gets that volume, gets that volume. They're not going to be your wide receiver one, but they could be a solid flex and, and maybe have a nice blow up week if you're in a PPR league, which is huge for these guys that get the volume um, to get you those points to maybe even get you into a wide receiver two category. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Renfro again, because as you were talking, that's actually the, like the two sort of, to me, seem like very similar players. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you can't get one, get the other. And, and you know, like I said, if you're in a PPR league, uh, these guys are they're, they're being targeted by their quarterback. So, like I said, all we can hope for as fantasy managers is to get guys on our roster that are getting opportunities. And both of these guys are at the moment. So they're, they're both good pickups. A couple of people we want to mention uh, who don't necessarily make, I don't want to say the threshold, but guys who aren't widely available in your leagues, but a few guys that um, we wanted to just talk about real quick. Michael Pittman from the Indianapolis Colts had a really good game this week, uh, 123 yards. He seemed to be what we had thought and maybe hoped that he would be in the preseason based off of where he was being drafted. He didn't really show that in week one, but um, in week two, he showed up and he was one of the most dropped players after week one. So just go back and check your league's waiver wire. See if, if anybody in your league dropped Pittman. And he's a, I think he's a great ad. I think that, you know, once the Colts start playing some easier defenses, uh, he could have a really good year. And he's a guy that, you know, has the talent, needs to put that talent to work. And I think he's got an opportunity to do that moving forward. We talk about uh, Zach Pascal, who, who catches some touchdowns as well. He had a nice game as well yesterday, but... Yeah, Pittman's not a bad guy. If you don't have him and he's laying around in your league, definitely just to strengthen your bench. And, and again, situationally, he, he may turn into being uh, a pretty solid wide out. Now, I believe we were going to talk about, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> running backs. A lot of you might have him on your roster as a handcuff or, you know, again, he was drafted. Smaller leagues, he definitely would be out there on the waiver wire. Dallas Cowboys running back, Tony Pollard. He is heavily involved in that offense. Uh, some of the experts are starting to think that maybe uh, maybe Zeke's a little cooked or, or just not healthy. There's something there where he's just not getting his usual volumes. And if that's the case, obviously Pollard, we've seen it for the last few years. He's been a nice change of pace guy. And I believe it was last year where he did. He filled in for him. Uh, he filled in for Elliott for a couple games and had a decent showing uh, for Dallas. I think he's a guy you definitely want to have a, a pulse on. Uh, I mean, if you look at stats, he's actually really doing basically just as well. Uh, you know, right now for uh, for the Dallas Cowboys as Elliott, he's a little bit younger and, and he gives him a little bit more of a uh, pass catching ability out of the backfield. And, and that obviously for everybody is huge where you need that dual threat running back who can, you know, pick up uh, all the yardage that is needed as, as much as possible. So, yeah, Tony Pollard. I mean, you know, Mike McCarthy's going to screw games up, obviously, and we'll take that all day here at Philly. But, um, you know, to, to have a player like that on your roster, uh, you know, again, even to 
make the Elliott owner in your league a little jealous. Definitely might want to pick him up or at least keep a tab on. Yeah, he he actually went up for over 100 yards and a touchdown this week, and he averaged almost twice as many yards per carry as Zeke. Damn. And just watching the game, he just looks more explosive when he touches yeah. the ball. Like there's no, it's, it, there's no, yeah, you can see, see it. You can <laughs> yeah. see it with the naked eye. Like it's not mm-hmm. something that you just look at stats and say, oh, this guy obviously is more productive. Like you can yeah, see the it when you watch the there. game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't see Zeke dragging people like he did a couple of years ago. Like I say, you know, sometimes these running backs, they hit that wall and they can't get over it. And yeah, somebody's going to be that energy guy. By the end of the year, he could be their RB1. All right, now that waiver wire segment is over, we're going to get into our start sits of the week. We, uh, like we said, we we went a little bit better than 50-50 last week on these and in week one. So we're, we're doing a pretty decent job. You know, obviously we can't predict the future. We can only give you our best, our best guesses as far as how we think games are going to go. And, you know, obviously if they make sense, then then we pick those players to start and sit. So let's start off with our quarterback starts for the week. Go ahead, Ruta, I'll let you I'll let you start. Uh, well, ironically, you know, and this came up in conversation when we talked about waiver pickup. I actually really like Daniel Jones this week. Again, we talked about him uh being a top 4 this week and a, you know, a top 10 and an eighth I believe overall currently on the season, his dual threat ability. And again, he is going up against those Atlanta Falcons who are the worst team in fantasy football right now against the quarterback you had a, a nice game in week one from Jalen Hurts, both on the ground a little bit and passing. And we saw what Tom Brady did to them uh, yesterday. Tom Brady's obviously Tom Brady, not comparing Daniel Jones to Tom Brady by any stretch. But um, to see his dual threat ability, to see him at home coming off a tough loss against Washington, the way that went, I, I kind of think Daniel Jones is going to ball out a little bit. Uh, Again, I can easily see him getting 20 to 25 points, possibly a smidge into the 30s if the the game plan just kind of rolls that way. So maybe be involved on the ground just the way he always is. He's not scared to run, especially near the goal line. So you could see him maybe account for two to three touchdowns, maybe 250 yards passing. Again, maybe a little bonus there with some deep balls. Maybe Darius Slayton doesn't drop one this week. Kind of like Daniel Jones, not going to like him for maybe every week, but until he proves that he can't put up the numbers, and, and if you're going to give me that defense, I'll take him all day. Start Daniel Jones this week against Atlanta. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, when we started before the the recording, we we actually do our start sets separately and then share them with each other, and, and we actually both had Daniel Jones. So uh, <laughs> it was it was almost the, the easiest. No greater. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go with Derek Carr. I, I, I'm going to switch off of Daniel Jones and uh, and give you that layup and. I'm going to take the other layup that I believe is out there, which is Derek Carr. For me, it's this is less of a matchup-based play. Miami has actually been decent against the quarterback, although Josh Allen did sort of shred them last week. After a bad week one game, I think Allen kind of felt like he had something to prove. But Derek Carr, like we said, pick him up. You can pick him up and you can start him this week if, if you're looking for, like I said, a streaming option. He's... We're not going to go through all the stats again, but he, he leads the league in pass attempts, passing yards. And uh, I think against Miami, it's going to be more of the same. So pretty cut and dry start for me. 
definitely the, the volume and, and what he's been putting up so far the last couple of weeks. I think he'll get you 2025 20, probably on accident. Having Waller there is a solid, solid option to, to catch the ball and be, in, be involved in the red zone and everything else that it, one feeds off the other. Derek Carr, definitely a solid start. All right. So who do you have for your sit for quarterback for the week? I, I was low on him. Let me take a look back here at my notes. Yeah, my, my week one sit is my same sit for this week. Uh, it's Baker Mayfield. He doesn't impress me as a fantasy start by any stretch as far as quarterbacks go. And again, he had a pedestrian game just this week. Uh, again, you, you know, you're playing against Houston. You don't have to maybe do a lot. But we talk about it. That offense runs through the ground game. A couple things came out of this game against Houston. Uh, first of all, Jarvis Landry, who's been one of the better wide receivers, both in the NFL and fantasy, based on PPR levels of receptions. I believe he has an MCL sprain, so he is going to be out of action for a little bit. That's a major go-to for him, safety valves. And you're looking at uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who, you know, we're waiting to see when he's going to get healthy enough to play. So obviously those are two big names taken out. Of your starting lineup, as far as a, a wide receiver for a quarterback, it does look like he leaned on the tight ends a little bit this week. Uh, and he ended up uh, with a little bit of a shoulder injury. Doesn't seem serious, but doesn't matter. I mean, in the NFL, any injury is serious. It's just a matter of you can play through it or if you're to that point where maybe you have to go get a, a surgery or sit out for some weeks. So, uh, again, Mayfield getting pretty banged up, unfortunately, and he's coming off of losing now his best wide receiver. Uh, and that team just going to flow through the running backs, uh, as it always does. Going against the Chicago team, who is – Again, they just uh, dominated uh, Cincinnati. That was a little bit of an Andy Dalton revenge game there. But at the same time, uh, I would sit Baker Mayfield this week. I, I think he is definitely going to be uh, God. He's probably going to be one of the bottom three or four quarterbacks in, in the league this week. Yeah, he just doesn't throw the ball enough to score fantasy points for you. So I'm going to go with uh, my sit for the week is going to be Jameis Winston. I know that uh, week one, you know, he threw for five touchdowns and Week two wasn't such a great game for him. I really don't know who Jameis Winston is right now as far as, you know, what his fantasy output is going to be with New Orleans. Like I said, you saw the, the the game against the Packers, but again, he only attempted 20 passes. Now, obviously, they didn't need to attempt more than 20 passes in that game. So it wasn't something that, you know, was was planned or anything like that. They just got out to such a big lead that they didn't need to. But this week against the Carolina Panthers, they, again, he only attempted 22 passes in a game that they were losing. Now, they didn't have the ball a lot. Carolina's defense really did a, a, an outstanding job uh, with everybody, with with really just holding down that entire offense. And I think that's more of the, the reason for my sit this week with Winston. They're going up against another really solid defense in the New England Patriots, who they just they haven't been giving up points to quarterbacks. They're third best against quarterbacks and fantasy points per game. They're actually giving up under 10 points per game fantasy wise, which is which is kind of crazy. Now I don't necessarily know that they're going to hold Winston to that sort of level of, of fantasy production because I do think the Saints offense is is going to figure some things out. But I don't see Winston having a huge game. And and I think that you know, Winston's not a, uh, an every game starter for your fantasy team. So he's more of a streaming option. And I think if you're looking to stream, this is definitely not the week to do that. 
Nope. Bill Belichick knows how to make quarterbacks and he knows how to break quarterbacks. And <laughs> that is yeah. a great, can I quote that? That's, that's good. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Moving on to running backs. Who's your start for running back this week? Uh, with the waiver wire, we talked a little bit about Latavius Murray. Uh, I, I'm going to start his backfield mate this week. I, I like Tyson Williams this week. I know we mentioned that there is the concept of a timeshare and, and things of that nature. But the one part that makes me feel like he's got a tiny bit of an edge is his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I know he did almost have a receiving touchdown and then the ball got stripped out and then they still ended up making the touchdown. Devin Duvernay just kind of grabbed it out of the air and dove into the end zone. It was a wild game uh, to say the least. Looking at uh, Tyson Williams so far uh, and the numbers, he's 22 carries, 142 yards and a touchdown. He did have that fumble, but it was luckily recovered by his team. Uh, he's also five receptions on six targets for 45 yards. Uh, so again, he is putting up points for that offense and he gets to go up against the Detroit Lions who have had a little bit of trouble stopping the run. Uh, and they're also be, they're going to be coming off a short week after tonight. So it'll be interesting to see what they have left in the tank. Again, you have to play a tough division game. So again, win or lose, that's going to be a, a tough one for them. Uh, and then to turn around and have the Baltimore Ravens come in with a lot of momentum beating the Chiefs, uh, I think that maybe he gets a little little more involved, possibly even a little bit more of maybe the red zone looks. Uh, it looked like they were trying to get that ball to him. And again, he, he just had a little, little bit of a hiccup there. But I think Tyson Williams this week is going to be a solid start at running back. I think maybe he starts to pull away a little bit as far as uh, the extra load in the backfield. Uh, who you got, Pat? I'm going to go with uh, Javante Williams. I think that talking about backfields, you know, committee backfields, the Broncos also employ a, a two back, you know, sort of system with Williams and Gordon. I think that there's going to be plenty of opportunities for both, but I like Javante Williams a little bit more because of his explosiveness. Again, uh, a little bit more of the pass catching work out of the backfield and against the Jets team who just turns the ball over time and time again. Broncos defense is good, and I don't see the Jets being able to put up many points. So I feel like this is going to be one of those games where the Broncos defense and running game sort of takes the lead. And, and again, I think you could start Gordon. I think you should start Gordon. But for for me and for for the purposes of you know our, our little uh, uh, what we're keeping track of as far as our start sits, for me, it's Javante Williams this week. So uh, I think you can confidently start him. All right. So your sit for the week for running back? Uh, my sit running back this week is a guy we saw, if you watched the game, Kansas City against Baltimore. And, uh, yep, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, costly, costly fumble. You know, obviously, defender made a good play. But, um you know, I had him on my team last year in fantasy, and I know he was a rookie, and he's just never – he just seems like he's a little bit too small to be an effective lead running back in any offense. And I know you say, well, it's Kansas City. You know, you can put anybody in there. They're going to get you points. Uh, again, they they really run you – know, Mahomes drops back. He looks for two, three, four options. He'll look at the backfield option, and, and Hilaire does get some looks out of the backfield. But he's averaging three, three-and-a-half yards a carry. Uh, he can't punch anything in from the goal line. I just feel like he is over the last season and, and couple games. Again, he's still young, but 
you know, you're basically getting like six points a game out of them uh, at some points. You know, PPR, you're going to get a little bit extra with with maybe a reception or two. But he just doesn't seem like he's that strong of a candidate to really uh, shine. Again, he may have one breakout game based off of schemes and, and matchups and, and different things like that. And, and that's all well and good. But as far as a true start, uh, you're going into a tough division game against the Chargers who are coming off a bad loss against Dallas. You know, they did give up some yardage and some some points to the Dallas Cowboys. But no, I, I think they circle their wagons and this will be a little bit of a tighter affair. But yeah, I would sit Clyde Edwards Hilaire until he proves he can take over a, a game and, and, and be a dominant running back. Again, that offensive line still a little young, a little suspect. Uh, I would sit Edwards Hilaire this week. I don't like him at all. Uh, I think he's a an excellent sit candidate because we we do try to in these start sits we do try to give you guys that you know you may be having questions about starting and sitting. We're not just trying to pick, you know, we're not taking Patrick Mahomes as our start of the week every week, and you know Tyree Kill and yeah. stuff, like we're we're trying to we're trying to actually give you guys some some you know something that you can use and something that you know people out there may be like oh i wonder you know if i should maybe sit edward delaire this week well now if, if you're questioning it and now you hear it from us as we're questioning it and maybe that gives you the confidence to to sit him and and play a guy like tyson williams instead so i'm gonna go with um another guy who you know was drafted to be a starter and just hasn't really produced yet this year uh, I'm going to sit Antonio Gibson this week. And this hurts me personally because I have him and it hurts to say that out loud, but, you know, watching, especially being a fan of the NFC East and being very tuned into what's going on with the four teams in that division, watching him run the ball. He just, he doesn't seem to have the pop that he had last year. He's splitting the receiving work with McKissick, which you know, we kind of hoped going into the season, or at least you hoped if, if you drafted him, that that wasn't going to be the case. You saw McKissick get the, the two minute drill work at the end of the first half in the Giants game and score that touchdown. So Gibson doesn't seem to be like you said that um, getting that Christian McCaffrey type workload. And he's somebody who going against a, a really tough defense this week and Buffalo has been great against running backs this year. It's just, I mean, even week one against Najee Harris and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Buffalo's ranked third best against fantasy running backs. They're favored in this game by nine and a half points, which makes me sort of believe that uh, at least the way that the Vegas odds makers see it is that Buffalo is going to be up big. Now you could get some receiving work out of Gibson this week, uh, possibly McKissick as well. If the Washington football team happens to be down and needing to throw to catch up, but we've seen that that McKissick tends to eat into his work. And if he's not getting all of the pass catching work, I, I don't see him running for a ton of yards against Buffalo. And uh, they're not implied to score a lot of points in this game. So I would just, if you have a better option, which you may not, but if you do, I would, I would go ahead and sit him. All right. For wide receivers, who do you have for your start? He's a guy who has slowly, uh, let's say he's another uh, waiver wire darling uh, who's probably slid into some people's, maybe not your starting lineup, but slid into your bench after the Jerry Judy injury. Uh, I kind of like uh, Tim Patrick. He's got a decent matchup this week against the New York Jets. He's got a uh, great last name too. It's 
a little overrated. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the, the Tim part is actually the better of the two. Uh, but yes, no, the Tim Patrick, yes, is uh, uh, in my opinion, he's, he's a guy who even last year, uh, I know he was on some people's radars with the injuries that happened actually to Cortland Sutton uh, and opened up the wide receiving court to a guy who is a little bit of more of a veteran. Uh, again, he's not ancient, but he's definitely a, a solid player for that team. And he still, he catches the ball, he gets the yardage, and he gets touchdowns. We're two weeks into the season, and he's already got, looking at this, he's already got eight targets, seven catches, 76 yards, and two touchdowns. You got a great quarterback there. Uh, and, and I know it's scary to say that great and Teddy Bridgewater maybe in the same vein. But again, he's a guy who so far has really been able to spread that ball around, get everybody involved in the offense, obviously Sutton yesterday. But for Patrick to see that, kind of volume after two weeks and the touchdowns add up. If he's going to be a red zone target, if he's going to be a go-to for that quarterback, a veteran who isn't even going to hesitate to pull the trigger and get him the ball, obviously Sutton's going to command a ton of respect after last week. And yeah, you know, the Jets, you know, they, they actually do have pretty good stats against wide receivers based on, you know, the different uh, different matchups that they've had. So because nobody has to throw against them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. They get most of their work done by the uh, midway through the second quarter and then just kind of grind it out, uh, so to speak, on the back end. But, you know, yeah, you look around and you see uh, all these different names that are out there. And obviously, yeah, they still have a couple other players on the team. But, you know, knowing now that he's basically with Judy's injury, he's going to basically be their wide receiver, too, uh, so to speak. And, and again, that's an offense that. Doesn't mind throwing the ball. Well, I like Tim Patrick. I like the touchdowns. I like the the volume that he's getting so far. He's a very efficient player. Probably a wide receiver, too, for a lot of people this week. And, and definitely a solid flex play if you pick him up. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of volume, my start of the week is I'm going back to the well here. I took him last week. I'm going to take him <laughs> again. I, I won't do it three weeks in a row, I promise. I, I'll pick somebody new. But um, Mike Williams is just looking fantastic. He's actually leading that team in targets, has more targets, more receptions, and more touchdowns than Keenan Allen so far this year. And he's just looked phenomenal. I, I did, you know, again, watching that game because, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping Dallas would lose. <laughs> uh, I got to see a lot of Mike Williams and, and I, man, I was impressed, honestly. I mean, he, you know, we talked about this in, in preseason and, and stuff. He's always been a good athlete. We I brought up the stat in our wide receiver podcasts back in the preseason that he's had a 1,000-yard season and a 10-touchdown season. Uh, and if he could put both of those things together in one year, he's, he's going to be a phenomenal fantasy asset. He's putting it together so far the first two weeks, and I think that he's a an auto start. If he's on your roster, he should be in your lineup. The issues he's had over the last couple of years is staying healthy. Mm -hmm. um, so as long as he can stay on the field and put up this type of production, yeah, he's probably going to be a top 10 wide receiver for the season. He'll continue to get the the looks and the attention that he's getting. Yeah, definitely start him until, God forbid, something happens, Pat. Uh, see, maybe do three weeks in a row. You might have to. <laughs> All right. So for the sits, who you got for your wide receiver sit? I am going to say, unfortunately, that the security blanket for Trevor Lawrence, uh, that would be Marvin Jones. He's been leaning on him hard first couple weeks. Again, really hard to tell what the heck's going on in Jacksonville, but that's nothing new. I know that he has really gotten him heavily involved in the offense as far as targets. And some of the receptions are there, sometimes not. Uh, could be an issue with a bad throw here or there. It just Stuff like that's going to happen. 
looking around at him right now and and you see Marvin Jones and he's he's got solid numbers so far throughout the season uh he's got 11 catches he's got 132 yards he's got two touchdowns so yeah he's definitely the 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 linchpin so to speak in that offense they're throwing the ball a ton they're behind in games i get it now i believe that the matchup that he's going to have this week is going to be a little bit tougher than normal again we've seen the cardinals play pretty solid on defense uh, against some of these teams that they've been going up against so far. Uh, I mean, I know, again, people get banged up. They're missing players left and right. I also see where uh, LaVisca Chenault had a little bit of an injury, so that maybe thins out the wide receiving core a little bit. Uh, I just don't feel confident that he's going to continue to put up these numbers week after week. If teams know that he's just leaning on them and they take him out of the game, that's probably going to be a number one point in their game plan. So uh, I'm not feeling too comfortable with getting Marvin Jones Jr. in my starting lineup this week. All right. And I'm going to go with, and this is probably going to be a shock to some people because he's been outstanding the first few weeks of the season. But I am going to say to sit Debo Samuel this week, and, and and you're probably not going to do it, and I get that. This is probably more just me wanting to be right about a guy. But um, uh, I was I, made with him in week one, and he destroyed yeah, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and he could possibly destroy it again in week three. But uh, I, I just traded him away in one of my leagues, and I instantly regretted it after the game he had against Philadelphia. Again, the Eagles. You know, did a fairly good job. They're they're actually uh, Philadelphia's actually the best defense against wide receivers uh, in the league this year, as far as fantasy points per game go. But next week he gets the Green Bay Packers and gets to go up against who I believe is the best cover cornerback in the league right now, and Jair Alexander. And I think that so far, again, we record these before the Monday night game, so we haven't watched the Packers and Lions play on Monday night yet, but the the first game, the way to beat the Packers was with your tight ends and running backs. And, and the Packers did a really good job against number one wide receivers. Um, Marcus Callaway basically was non-existent in that game. And you and as you saw this week, he came back and, and had a, a much better game against a, a lesser cornerback on the other side. And, and Alexander just shuts people down. He has for the last, you know, two and a half, three years. So, I'm a little worried about Samuel. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call my shot here and, and say to sit Samuel. And uh, I, I'm, I'm also going to call a, a, a bounce back big game from George Kittle this week. He's not my tight end start because I feel like that would be too, too easy and too obvious. But that's the way that I see that Niners Packers game going in week three. Moving on to tight ends. Who do you have for your tight end start? Yeah, I'm uh, going to go to probably one of the premier matchups of the week three schedule. I like Tyler Higby, uh, the Los Angeles Rams against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, looking around at some of the stats so far, tight ends have put up some serious points. Now, Tampa Bay, uh, obviously known for their defense, uh, especially after last year in the Super Bowl. But seeing that they are kind of like a lower end, middle of the road defense against tight ends, uh, obviously, all the fireworks are going to be Stafford and Brady, the wide receivers, the, the league's going to be, and, and most fantasy players are going to be uh, <laughs> drooling over who's going to get the touchdowns. The volume is Cooper Cup and all these guys. You know, you're, you're going to be looking at everybody. Uh, Chris Godwin, all the different sides of the ball. But I like Higby in this matchup, uh, just looking at the, the way that things have shaken out so far, where tight ends against Tampa Bay are 
they've been targeted 19 times. They had 16 catches for 153 yards. I know it's a calm volume there where you say it's only about maybe seven or eight points a game, but that's decent for a tight end, I think, at certain points, especially if this is somebody you're looking to stream or start. This isn't uh, an auto start of a top four, top five tight end. Considering that offense and considering Higby's had games uh, last year, he had a three touchdown game against the Eagles. So, again, he can be a guy that Stafford who won't have trouble pulling the trigger on finding that guy open underneath, finding that guy in the red zone. Again, he's going to be involved in pass protection. Absolutely. Tampa Bay's front is pretty stout. But I think you you definitely can't go wrong if you're looking to stream and put a guy in there that uh, is going to get those points. He's going to get you somewhere maybe in the seven to ten range. And, and who knows? Maybe even more. I like Tyler Higby. Uh, to be a nice little start against those Tampa Bay Buccaneers for tight end this week. What about yourself there, sir? Who you like for tight end this week? Well, again, my guy is an a an auto start top you know top three type guy. He's uh, he's definitely somebody that you drafted to start, but may have been a little bit disappointed in. I'm going to say to start Kyle Pitts this week against the Giants. They are the Giants are really poor. They're the fifth worst <laughs> team against tight ends and. Kyle Pitts, believe it or not, is actually averaging the third most targets per game amongst all tight ends. You know, he hasn't necessarily had a ton of receptions or yards or, or caught any touchdowns yet, but I think that time is coming soon. He seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable in the offense each week. And, you know, they had a really tough matchup against a good Eagles defense in week one. And he showed this week that he is just getting a better feel for it. And I think this week against the Giants could be exactly what he needs to sort of get off of, uh, I don't want to say get, he's not playing bad. I don't want to make it seem like he's, he's been having a bad season, but I think this could be a, a blow up week for Pitts. I, I could see him having, you know, a hundred yards and a touchdown against a pretty weak Giants. Their, their linebacking core is not bad. They're just not great at pass coverage. Uh, yeah. Great call. I think Kyle Pitts is a solid start. All right, well, who's the solid sit then? A lot of people were high on Mike Giesick, uh earlier in the season, drafting, and, and you know he was going to be the breakout. Uh, he's been a breakout candidate, I think, probably for the last two years or so. And, and again, you've had that game, game and a half during the season where you see him put up a, a great stat line and he puts up 20 points or something, you know, crazy number. And it's, oh, here you go. Here he is. Here he is. He's the next guy. Because the tight end position is that one that you want to find those unicorns out there, those top four or five guys that get you 15, 20 points. And, and everybody wants Giesick to be that guy. He hasn't shown the consistency at all. Chances are some people overdrafted a little bit based on potential, based off of you know the preseason and, and his connection with Tua, and they have it there. That Miami offense is its hard to tell. Again, that's another one. It must be something with Florida, except for you know, Tampa Bay, obviously, we know what they bring to the table, but Miami's offense is seems like it's struggling a little bit. And, you know, whether that's the quarterback, whether that's other issues that they're having down there, I, I don't think that Mike Giesick is going to do anything special for you anytime soon. I think he's going to be probably more involved maybe in pass protection. He just doesn't seem to be that kind of player that's going to get you over the hump. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, another Washington football team member for my sit. I'm going to sit Logan Thomas this week at tight end. Again, looking at the looking at the Bills defense, they played Pittsburgh really well. They they shut Miami out this past week. I think we we may look back and realize that we underestimated Buffalo's defense this year and 
you know, the, the Vegas line has them, like I said earlier, favored uh, a nine and a half point favorite and an over under of 46 and a half, which is pretty low, which means basically what Vegas is, is thinking uh, as far as the final score is uh, Washington is going to be somewhere around the range of 18 and Buffalo is going to be somewhere around the range of 27. Those lines are not always right, but Vegas does a pretty good job of uh, setting those lines fairly close. I just don't see Washington being great again, you know, last week with, with Taylor Heineke, they performed admirably against the giants, but the giants defense is not Buffalo's defense. And I just feel like Washington is going to struggle as a whole this week. I, you could probably sit everybody uh, on that team. You could, you could realistically consider sitting Terry McLaurin, even though he's been really good this year. I personally don't see a way that Washington doesn't get crushed in that game. Yeah. Uh, Totally agree. Totally agree. What are you thinking? Uh, what are you thinking about your defensive start of the week? Well, again, uh, I got two two sits from Washington. I'm going to have two starts from the uh, Denver Jets game. I'm, I'm starting the Broncos defense. The Jets have just been turning the ball over left and right. Their their offensive line looks really porous and. Zach Wilson is just not making great decisions, which, which hurts my soul because I really believed in him. And I do, I think he's going to turn it around. I think, you know, I mean, look, Trevor Lawrence hasn't really shown us a whole lot in the first few weeks of the season either. He's looked better than Wilson, but rookie quarterbacks just struggle. That's just the way that it is. And they turn the ball over. They're not used to the speed of the NFL right away. So getting, Getting to play the Jets this early with a defense as solid as the Broncos have, I could definitely see the Broncos sort of picking him apart and having a couple interceptions and, and getting a few sacks um, as well and just having a, an overall good game against the Jets this week. Where are you going for your start? Well, some people might think I'm crazy, and now I'm not just making it a homer call. I kind of like the Eagles against Dallas. Hang on. I know you're saying, but look what Dallas has done on offense. Look at all the points they've been putting up and look at the yardage. Uh, they struggled a little bit yesterday. You know, it was not that week one uh, lights out Dak versus Tom Brady matchup that we saw. Eagles Dallas is one of those games where uh, you could see the points go up quickly on the board. But I kind of feel like the Eagles defense is really going to bring it again. They lost yesterday. They didn't get worked. They didn't get blown out. It was it was more of a shot themselves in the foot. A couple of plays that should have went their way. Uh, they would have easily won the game. They pretty much against all positions uh, yesterday, a little bit of the running back grinding on them. But they've been a, a top 10 defense, both statistically and, and fantasy wise, which, again, they kind of correlate. And again, yeah, Dallas has that quick strike. They could turn around and be up 21 nothing, you know, and you're scrambling to get back into it. But this Eagles defense, uh, the only caveat being they did just lose Brandon Graham. Uh, to an Achilles injury, and he's been the heart and soul of the defense. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I like the Eagles defense to take over the game a little bit. I, I think it's going to be low scoring as opposed to what people think. I think it's going to be an NFC East beat them up Monday night game. The Eagles hopefully winning. I think they will. You know, that, that's the fan. I mean, leaning that way. But I like the Eagles defense against Dallas. I, I think they really kind of take it to them this week and, and maybe even get the Dak a little bit. I am going to sit this week for my defense, a defense that you probably drafted pretty high, but it just this is just a matchup-based call. 
And for me, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Bucks. They weren't having a great game defensively this week against Atlanta. They kind of bailed you out with two late pick sixes, but you know that that happens. Those are one of those you can't predict those types of things. But uh, against the Rams, who don't turn the ball over, you know, really good, efficient offense. I, I, this is supposed to be one of the higher scoring games on the week. Uh, the over under is fifty four and a half. So. Vegas is expecting a high scoring game and um, I think they're going to get it. I mean, I think Tampa showed in week one against Dallas that that they can get into those shootouts and they don't mind being in that. And I feel like as good as Tampa and LA's defense are, this game could get out of hand very quickly. So I I really don't want to play either of the defenses in this, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and sit Tampa this week. My sit for the week. Part of me says, you know, that this team, shouldn't be 0-2. They've put up some serious points, and we just saw uh, a botched field goal yesterday kind of kill them, you know, and and it's a shame, but, you know, it it does happen. It is football. The Minnesota Vikings, uh, I I would sit their defense this week. I don't like the matchup. Uh, Again, they've given up. uh, They gave up 27 points and a loss to Cincinnati. They gave up 34 points in what should have been a win, but it was still a loss to those uh, Arizona Cardinals. And now they get to go against the Seahawks, albeit it's their home opener. It's the Vikings home opener. Their defense should rally. They should do that. But right now, it just looks like they're chasing their tail uh, as a team on offense and defense where they're putting up the points, but they're giving them right back. Uh, they had a, actually a, a decent statistical concept as far as certain plays that they made this week, but uh, that was just based off of the, the high scoring and the high pace. I just can't see them stopping anybody right now on defense. And again, you've given up 61 points already between two games. The Seahawks are averaging just about 30 some points a game themselves. So uh, again, I would sit Minnesota. I don't like the matchup. Russell Wilson going into Minnesota, cooking in the dome. Yeah, probably uh, probably tearing them up. And you see the Vikings hit the 0-3, even though they're putting up 30 points a game themselves. Yeah, and, and Seattle isn't one of those teams that turns the ball over. Pete Carroll preaches you know, ball security and, and, you know, Russell Wilson is not a guy who, you know, makes a whole lot of mistakes. So I don't see the Vikings really having an opportunity to get many sacks and, and turnover. So, yeah, I think that's uh, definitely going to be a, a an, an easy sit for, for this week. Well, guys, hopefully these start sits, like I said, hopefully we're giving you some, some calls on some things that are valuable to you. Some, some decisions that you might be thinking about making or not making, we are always available through email to answer any start sit questions that you have. Please feel free to email us at the nine route FFB at gmail.com. You can also follow both of us on Twitter. I mean, if you tweet at us with any of your start sit questions, we will absolutely be happy to help uh, give you some insight. I know that uh, I had a few people tweet me this Sunday and I'm not going to just, you know, Hey, should I start this guy or this guy? And, you know, I don't just give you a name and put you on your way. I will actually tell you, and I know Scott will do the same, you know, we'll, we'll give you a reason why we think what we think. We're not just going to, you know, flip a coin and, you know, we, we take helping you and helping your fantasy team seriously. We do a lot of watching and rewatching and, you know, researching and things like that. So uh, if you, if you shoot us a, a tweet, we will absolutely get back to you with with a, a reasonable answer as quickly as we can. You can tweet us at the nine route one or Scott's personal account, which is 
at Scott from Delco. That's Scott from D-E-L-C-O. And uh, like I said, if, if you have a question, we'll, we'll be happy to answer it for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're doing this for fun, obviously, uh, you know, for, for fantasy football purposes. But yeah, we are here to try to give you some insight and give you some help. And again, we do our research based on both personal opinion, statistics, what some of the other experts are saying. But at the end of the day, these are our opinions. Again, you can take them, you can leave them, uh, but we're not going to try to steer anybody in the wrong direction. Again, we're, we're looking at this from, a, in a sense, your perspective. And yeah, we'll help you answer those questions where we put ourselves in your shoes and we want to know what's going to help you win your week, win your league, make that roster move, start that player, sit this defense. We're, we're trying to help you out the same way we would look at our own teams. I mean, we're in multiple leagues, both of us, you know, so again, it, it does change. It does vary. So you got, you got to really be on your toes and you know, put your trust in us. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll make sure you make those moves to win your week, win your league, and, and have a little fun while you're doing it. We hope you guys like the show, and, and we want to keep doing it for as long as we can. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode here at the Nine Route. Hopefully, like I said, we give you guys some some good nuggets that you can use in your in your fantasy lineups this week and some good pickups for uh, some guys to roster. You have anything uh, to add before we we go for the day? Well, again, you know, we I, I like how we touched on the waivers and, and you know, again, maybe we'll start to talk a little bit more with just guys to keep your eye on as far as uh, maybe not a true pickup, but, you know, maybe follow them from week to week. And uh, again, we, we're here to, to help. Uh, uh, we're hoping for a big Monday night win for our Philadelphia Eagles. Our next show uh, will be done before that, but it'll be good anticipation in, in the hopes that we're Heading on to bigger and better things for our team. Uh, as far as fantasy purposes, uh, you know, we're always here for you at the nine round, and we just look forward to seeing you all for next week. All right, folks, we will uh, talk to you again next week. Peace.